0: Well, good morning. Good to see everyone. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving uh, this past week with family, friends, whatever that looked like for you. I hope it was great. Uh, I'm Jay. I'm the lead pastor. If you're new with us, we're so glad to have you here. And uh, we've been talking for the last few weeks about counterfeits as I was talking uh, and and praying um, and asking the Lord to show us something today. Uh, And, you know, it's easy for us to find satisfaction Or to look for satisfaction and fulfillment and happiness in things in this life, but in the end, like the Buckeyes, they leave us unsatisfied, and they leave us let down. And this series, we've really been talking about the things that we seek instead of instead of Jesus that that attempt to satisfy our true desires. Uh, And the word counterfeit, when we define that, it's it's an exact imitation of something valuable or important uh, with the intention to deceive and and to defraud. Um, And so as we've talked about the things, the the counterfeits, the false replacements for for true joy that can really only come from Jesus. Because this world, as as we said, is going to leave us wanting and leave us unsatisfied and and so I don't know about you, but when I hear the word counterfeit, and I think about the idea of counterfeits, I can't help but go to the place of money. Counterfeit money, that's just where my brain goes when I hear that, that word. And we all know that money, at least I hope you know this, it is a counterfeit driver for how we find happiness and contentment. That the idea of, of money and, and having more money can drive us to a place where we think we're gonna be content. We think we're gonna be happy and that money is gonna take care of all of that. I don't know if you remember the story of Bernie Madoff. He, uh, he ran off with a whole lot of money from a lot of people. He ran an investment firm uh, that ended up being a big scam. He, uh, he took investors' money, he used it and spent it on himself and spent it on his family and to repay loans that he had owed and when he was finally caught and charged of the crime and all it was said and done, he had lost over 50 billion, with a B, 50 billion dollars of other people's money, people that had trusted him for the retirement and, and, and investments and various things. And it's just one example of many people over history, over the course of history, who have fallen for the trap of seeking Wealth over anything else, regardless of the ultimate cost. But let's be honest here. We need money to exist. (laughs) We need money to exist. But but isn't it interesting that one of the most misquoted verses in all of scripture is actually about money. The love of money is the root of all evil. You hear a lot of people say, money is the root of all evil. No, the love of money is, is the root of all evil. It's getting to the heart of what that is really all about. You know, in Scripture, there are uh, about 490 verses that deal directly with faith. And there's 500 or more that deal directly with prayer. But there are 2,000 verses that deal with money in all of Scripture. In just the four Gospels alone, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are 280 verses in the four Gospels alone. So on average, that's one in every 10 verses, if you're gonna average it out, that have to deal with money. More verses about how we handle and deal with money than fit them, faith and prayer combined. So why is that? Well, I think it's because Jesus knows that if there's anything that we're gonna prioritize wrong in our life, and try to find counterfeit joy in in our life it is money. And if the Bible talks about it that much, then I feel like we probably should too. Because this was true 2000 plus years ago, it's going to be true 2000 plus years from now. If we're still here and Jesus hasn't come back, I pray that he has. If you have your Bibles turn to Mark chapter 10. Uh, we're going to be in the gospel of mark chapter 10 and you can actually find this story in uh in matthew and luke as well but but i want to look at the at uh at the story the way it's told in mark 10 and this is the story that's known as uh, the story of the rich young ruler if you've heard this story before but i want to read all of it first i want to read it in its entirety and then we're going to go back and we're going to break it down and i want you to see some things in here that i i'm wondering if maybe you'd ever seen them before so here we are, Mark 10, uh, verses 17 through 27 says this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud honor your father and mother teacher he declared all of these i've kept since i was a boy and jesus looked at him and loved him one thing you lack he said go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come and follow me at this the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth This is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. So let's break this down here. Jesus is approached. He's approached by someone who is wanting to know how they can live forever, how they can have eternal life. And and all we know about this guy from the text, we just know a few things. Number one, we know that he's extremely wealthy. We know that. But the parallel texts in Matthew 19 and, and Luke 18, they tell us that he was a young ruler. And so his name, his family are unknown. Um, the only other thing that we know is that he turns Jesus down and turns him away because of his wealth. I want you to look at the initial question that he asks Jesus in verse 17. The end of verse 17, he says, Good teacher, he asked, what must I do, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? The focus of the man's question was on doing. He thought eternal life was a matter of earning and deserving and not relationships. He, w- he was looking for how, you know, how, how do I make myself worthy and so he bowed down on his knees in front of Jesus to ask this question not realizing that that moment where he was on his knees in front of Jesus the closeness that he had in the relationship with Jesus in that moment actually brought him closer to salvation than anything he could ever physically do right there in that moment. But here's the thing, he didn't he didn't really want Jesus to be his savior. He wanted Jesus to show him the way to be his own savior. See, he didn't know who he really was. And when you don't know who Jesus really is, you probably don't know who you are either. And it starts with knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus comes first. The man really didn't know who Jesus was, so he didn't really know who he was. He thought he was righteous. He thought he had done all of the right things. He didn't really know the kind of person that he was or the kind of person that that Jesus really was. How do we know that? Look at, the, look at the next couple of verses. Jesus' response, I love this. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Got him, right? Because he's God. You know the commandments, he says. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, All these I have kept since I was a boy. Really? Have have you? See, Jesus says, you know the commandments. Meaning he knew that this guy, this was a Jewish man, he knew that he knew the law. He knew this man knew the law. And Jesus was careful here in which commandments he quoted him. The commandments that he gave him in in this moment Notice, I don't, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. He, he didn't quote all 10 commandments. He, he quoted the commandments that are known as the second table of the law, which are the, the commandments that address how we treat one another. The 10 commandments are actually broken into two halves. The second table of the law has to do with how we treat one another. The first table of the law, the first four commandments, have to do with how we treat and love God. So it's an interesting quick sidebar. When Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? He says, love God, love others. He's saying all of them, right? You can't outsmart Jesus, come on. (laughs) Every one of these commandments is pure and just and true and good, absolutely. And the world would be a much better place if everyone lived by just the commandments that Jesus listed here, amen? But this guy claims to have kept them all. But he didn't, he couldn't, there's no way. Because Jesus gave the deeper meaning of the commandments in the Sermon on the Mount when he basically said that that these go all the way to the heart, that it's not just our actions, it goes all the way to the heart. It's not just the things that we do, but more who we are, right? No one is able to keep that for 100% except Jesus. Because you can have a heart filled with adultery and never commit adultery physically. You can have a heart that's filled with murder even if you never do it. You can have a heart that that steals even though you've never taken a thing. God looks at the heart as well as our actions. See, the man should have responded. He should have said, there is no way I have kept the commandments. There's no way I could keep all the commandments of God completely. I need a savior. That's what his response should have been. Let's keep going. Now Jesus looked at him and loved him. I would have looked at him in a condescending way and you probably would have too. But Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. See, Jesus was filled with love and compassion for this man because his life was so empty, and Jesus knew it. Jesus knew exactly where this man's heart was the second he came up to him. See, he had climbed the ladder to success, absolutely, only to find that he had put his ladder against the wrong building. And with presented with the truth, he opted for the counterfeit. He opted for the counterfeit. See, this man has a knowledge of the law, has a knowledge of of, of religion, he he understood the the religious knowledge that's, that's been there, and he claims to have been obedient to it, sure. But, This is an important lesson for all of us to really understand and and know that that you can know scripture and you can try to follow it because there's a lot of people and him right here. Like he he knew scripture. He knew the word of God. He knew the law. But to still lose sight of God and, and to seek out satisfaction and security in a counterfeit way. You can have all the head knowledge in the world, but if you don't have the heart knowledge to go along with it, and he opted for the counterfeit of money. And look, we all want security and we all wanna know that if a bigger, major life change happens, that we're not gonna be left out on the street, absolutely. But Jesus isn't calling us to place our hope and our trust and our faith in earthly wealth. So the question I think we have to ask ourselves is, are we content in God alone or do we need to be rich to be happy? are are you content in God alone or do you need to be rich to be happy? We know that happiness is temporary, at least I hope you do. If you don't know, happiness is temporary because it's based on circumstances and it's conditional. That's why Jesus never promises happiness. He promises joy, which is so much better because joy, the only condition for joy is Jesus. And he's always there for us. Joy in the Lord is present regardless of our physical circumstances or conditions. Money comes and goes, right? Markets rise and fall, we know that. But God who provides and cares for our needs is always there. He is eternal, he is unchanging. And he says to him, one thing you lack. Because instead of challenging the man's fulfillment of the law, which Jesus had every right to do. He could have been like, okay, let, let's go through these and you, you tell me how well you did on these things. Instead, Jesus, he took him further down the path that this guy was trying to use as justification. You know, he basically said, so you want to find fulfillment and you want to find salvation by doing for God? Cool, do it all. Do everything, give it all away, do everything, then come follow me. See, Jesus wanted the man to see how pointless it was to try to find fulfillment and salvation through doing, but he wouldn't see it. He gives this this ruler a personal invitation to follow him. That was a big deal then, by the way, for a rabbi to look at somebody and say, follow me, even if it was conditional. And this is a rare time where Jesus makes it conditional. He basically says, let go of your dependence on your worldly and earthly wealth And then you can follow me. And this is too much for the man in this moment because his interest might have been an eternal life, but, but why? Because when given the chance to follow Jesus, he said no because he was just holding on to his stuff too tight. He just had a death grip on it. And for us, I feel like we have to ask ourselves this question, what are we holding on to tightly? What are you holding on too tightly? What do you have just a grip on that you won't let go of? And it could be it could be money, it it could be possessions, it, it could be it could be a number of things. What are we holding on to so tightly that it's turning us maybe into an idolater? Because that's what this guy essentially was. He was an idolater. Wealth was his God instead of the true God of the Bible. He put his money first. Now listen, a relationship with God, it's not one-sided. I think sometimes we treat it that way or we think it is that way. It's not one-sided. It isn't just simply about humans loving God and finding their satisfaction in him rather than in the counterfeits. It is that, but it's also the love of God in Christ for us. There is a, a very small but important detail that I talked about real quick in the text, but I wanna, I wanna go back and, and, and show you this because it says Jesus loved the man. Even in that moment, he wanted what is best for him. And so he said the hard things. He said the things that he needed to hear and it grieved Jesus when the man was unable to let go of the counterfeits in his life that had a hold on his heart so bad. See, Jesus loves you so much that he will tell you the truth that you need to hear. He'll tell you what you need to hear. We've all got that person in our life that we go to when there's something we want to hear. We know we say them and we want them to just justify our train of thought. You know what I mean? Jesus ain't that person. I'm not that person, by the way. Jesus is not that person. He tells us what we need to hear. Jesus wasn't trying to make the man sad. He really wasn't. It was actually the opposite. He was actually trying trying to get the man to see the true joy that we can have in this life. The man could only find joy by doing what Jesus told him to do. That was the only way he was going to find true joy. And so he went away sad. He went away sad because I think he realized who he was, he realized who Jesus was, and he realized that he had some work to do. See, there's a lot of people that have almost everything. Way sad. Let's keep reading. Let's go back to verse 23 here. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. I feel like we're a lot like the disciples here in this story. Jesus allows this rich young ruler to walk away, which is a whole important lesson to understand in and of itself that I'm not going to get into right now. But I do want you to notice, Jesus let him walk. He didn't chase after him. But we're like the disciples. And Jesus understood that, and he said, I'm going to turn this into a teaching moment here for a minute. See, we have a hard time seeing how riches could hinder us from the kingdom of God. We tend to think that riches can only bring blessing and and can bring good. It's not that they can't. They certainly can. But in this culture, especially here in this, one thing you have to understand is they assumed that wealth was actually a sign of God's blessing and favor. That was very much how things were in the day then, that if, if you were wealthy, that meant God liked you more than me. So you're especially saved because you're loaded, right? But in that culture, that's how it was. But we know from the heart of God and from Jesus that that's not the case at all. That's not the case at all. Now, now listen, don't get me wrong. A lot be done and has been done and will be done for the kingdom with money and resources. Absolutely, you're sitting in a place, <laughs> right? That it took money, us to get here, the multi-purpose center, praise God, right, we're making some great progress on the loan there, great progress, I can't wait to tell you guys about what, what God's doing there, what about missions, I've seen a lot of amazing things done through missions and missionaries and missions trips, Community service projects, our community missions team. Yeah, it takes money to make all of those things happen, for sure. The giving tree that we have out there—it's an awesome thing to be a part of. Yeah, it requires money to like make that happen, so that we can bless other people. So don't get me wrong—a lot of amazing things and awesome things are done with with money and resources, and God uses His people to make those things happen absolutely, and I'm so thankful to be a part of such a generous church family. And there are some some people that are blessed financially that have helped us to get to this place that God has used, and I'm so grateful for them. And that's an incredible and awesome thing. And that's going to continue to be necessary for the, for the kingdom and the mission to move forward, without a doubt. But you know what? Compared to the rich young ruler here, we have more luxury and more comfort than he Ever did because of Jesus in our life. Having Jesus in your life, humanly speaking, achieving salvation, comfort, contentment, happiness, those things are just as easy as getting a camel through the eye of a needle. Jesus was just using this analogy here to to show that we can try and try and try and try, and it will never, ever happen. It's impossible, but you know what? All things are possible with God, amen? All things are possible with God. Don't you dare put God in a box. Don't you dare. And this is what Jesus was getting at. I mean, do you think Jesus really wanted to bankrupt the guy? I mean, like, honestly, was that his intent? Was he trying to bankrupt the guy, being like, you know what, we actually don't have a place to live. This guy's loaded. I wonder if he would just fund the ministry. We could use that. So maybe I'll get him to give us all his money. That's not what he was saying. That's not what he was doing here. Not not by any stretch. Jesus' point is not that we shouldn't have money. It's not that Christians are supposed to be poor. That that's not that's not the point of this at all. That's not what he's saying, that's not what I'm saying. It's not what scripture is saying. What he was trying to get him to recognize was his wrong priorities. A lot of what we've been talking about over the last few weeks has actually had to do with our priorities. And this guy's priority was his bank account. That was his priority because he thought safety and security was wrapped up there, but the only thing he couldn't figure out how to buy was eternal life. Jesus was trying to get him to recognize his wrong priorities here. Paul talks about this in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin And destruction for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs now take the the proper context of this because we will wander from the faith and we will drift away if our priority is money We will. That is human nature. We will drift away from the faith if that is our priority, if we're not careful. Because notice it says some people and the love of money. So again, it's not saying having money is bad. What it is saying is the priority list in which we make. It's not wrong to have money, but the love of money is a counterfeit joy that will always, always fall flat. So the connection point that we've been leading to today is this true joy it's not found in wealth but in the riches of God it's not found in wealth it's found in the riches of God listen we have a kind of wealth as followers of Jesus that people who who aren't followers of Jesus don't understand but hopefully we do because we are heirs we are adopted sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so the wealth that we have in Jesus is greater than anything you could stack in your bank account. True joy is not found in wealth but in God whose riches can never be diminished, can, can never be stolen, can never be lost. The most pure joy, the most genuine joy you will find is in Jesus. Because the opposite of counterfeit, genuine. The genuine joy of the Lord is my strength. Can be your strength, should be your strength. Look at Matthew 6. Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, but where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy where thieves do not break in and steal see true joy is not found in wealth but it's found in the riches of god and the counterfeit stuff that you think is going to make you happy the achievements the success the financial freedom the stuff that our bank account tries to tell us you know what without jesus in the middle of those things they are never going to satisfy you. And I would say without Jesus on top of those things they're always going to come up short. But praise God. Praise God that Jesus the genuine Savior who is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords praise God that he will never come short. Never. Will you bow your heads with me? You know, sometimes the the word of God can kind of kick us in the gut and I'm thankful for it. Because sometimes we need to hear some of the tough things and I'm grateful that Jesus tells us what we need to hear. If you've tried to find success, if you've tried to find fulfillment, and maybe you find yourself a little more like the rich young ruler than you would like to admit, Jesus is still standing there saying, come follow me. I hope you won't walk away sad. That you'll fall at his knees and say, I can't do this on my own. I need a savior. And he's standing there waiting for you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's where it's got to start. This guy tried to just do for Jesus. You're never going to be able to do enough but you can come to the feet of the savior and surrender all to him heavenly father i i know that there are some of us in here that are feeling challenged by this i know lord that some of us maybe have some priorities to look at in our lives and i pray that we would God, I also know that there's, there's probably some, some of us in here that have not really begun a relationship with you. We may be watching online. We we may be here in the room. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just continue to move through this place and that decisions might be made for you right here, right now. Lord, if there's someone that doesn't have a relationship with you, I pray that they would just cry out to you and realize that they can't save themselves, that they, that they need a savior to ask you to save them, to forgive them and to save them. Lord, I pray all of us would take a hard look at ourselves. Are we really leaning into the counterfeit stuff of this world that we're not gonna be able to take with us as our safety and security blanket? we looking to you? Father, thank you that you love us no matter where we're falling on that right now. And that you want to do everything you can to bring us closer.